All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas, the podcast here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. This is Cinco de Mayo, May the 5th. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. Hey, you know, nearly 15 million deaths have now been recorded with COVID-19. Uh, and this, according to the World Health Organization, we've been uh, also hearing about a possible surge as we get closer to the summer months. So to keep our finger on the pulse, we're joined by the chief medical officer of Parkland Hospital. That's Dr. Joseph Chang on today's Ask the Expert. And uh, just curious, you know, we've been seeing a, a bit of it looks like the coronavirus is uh, quiet down a little bit, but are we already starting to see upticks? Oh, my gosh. You need to bite your tongue because uh, <laughs> that's not something we want to hear around here. But but listen, you're right. Of course, you know, we at Parkland and, and certainly at, at all public institutions keep our finger on this pulse pretty, pretty closely. Um, mostly what we're seeing is still still mainly up in the northeast. Some parts of the Midwest are seeing some cases and I really even hesitate to call it a surge, you know, compared to what we're used to in the past with real surges, you know, cases doubling and tripling in the matter of, you know, days, we're really not seeing that. So that's the good news, even in the areas where this uh, newer variants are sort of running around. So, so I think that's encouraging North Texas. uh, We've really been able to stay pretty low. Uh, We're, 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 we're pretty excited about that. um, Though our numbers are slightly creeping so it's certainly one of those things that we're going to keep an eye on but we're not too worried about it just yet Kristen. and of course it's there's a real problem with these reported statistics that are coming in because so many people are using at-home tests and not necessarily reporting them to the various health departments how do we know that it's coming down yeah and you're exactly right i mean uh, we do have much more access to those kind of things now but the important thing is this right the important thing is whatever tests are being done at home we will see the severe cases right so we will see the hospitalizations and things like that and we definitely have not seen that rise really in any of our big hospitals um uh, i obviously you can probably guess i I uh, uh, keep in touch with uh, the chief medical officers of all of our major systems uh, in North Texas, um, and none of us really have seen any sort of uptick in hospitalization. So I would say that's really the key anyway, right, David? I mean, we're, we're really concerned about those cases. Folks that get kind of sick and, and stay home and, and uh, get better in a few days, you know what? Hey, great. Not a huge big deal. Um, the ones we really worry about, obviously, the ones that end up coming to the hospital. So, so for now, 
all of our measurable data is good. And like I said, the, the, the ones that are positive at home that never end up amounting to anything serious, um, uh, we're not as concerned about that. Summer tra travel will be here before you know it. Um, as we all know, it's not required now to wear a mask on a plane. Uh, right. But it is highly recommended, just like a lot of stores still have that. It's still highly recommended when you walk into their business. Um, do you recommend people buying at home testing kits for their own safety as they're traveling, maybe domestically or internationally? Do you think that those standards still uh, should be required for you know being vaccinated or um, you know being masked? Right. I'll, and you know th that's a great question, and I'll answer it the same way I've answered it before. Right. So the at home tests. I mean, it's great to have, but they're really only a snapshot in time, right? It only tells you exactly what's going on at that moment. I mean, you could be incubating and not be positive for another three days. It looks like it's negative, gives you a false sense of security, right? The at-home tests, they're also not super perfect. You're going to get false negatives and false positives. Um, so, so I'm not a huge fan of just randomly testing yourself at home unless you have symptoms. You're going to hear me say this again. You've heard me say it over the last two years. The number one thing to do to protect yourself if you're going to travel is vaccination, right? Let's all say it again together, right? Vaccination. And that is the way to go. There's no question that that's going to be the best way. I've said it before. You guys have heard me say it. Once you get severe COVID and you're inside my hospital, even things like Paxlovid and all these new fangled things that are coming out aren't going to help you that much anymore. So again, the thing to do is put that shield on around you, get vaccinated, uh, if certainly if you're going to do any travel. You mentioned Paxlovid, and when we had talked previous, you had said that right. the, the vaccines are much more important than the treatments at this point. Now, something like Paxlovid, we're seeing more and more people that are actually using that. Is it working? So Paxlovid is interesting because it really is only good and useful for a certain subset, okay? Those are folks who are already at high risk for developing severe disease, okay? So it's, it's, I, I, like I said this before, this is not like Tylenol. Like you're not going to the store and just picking up Paxlovid and taking it if you feel like it, okay? It doesn't help those folks. It really only helps the folks who are immunocompromised or elderly uh, that are, are ready at high risk and it decreases their chance for being hospitalized. It doesn't eliminate it completely. And I'll tell you this, I think people are also under the misconception that, oh, you know what, if I am severely affected and I go into the hospital, I get Paxlovid and it's gonna make me better. That is actually very much untrue. Once you get to that point, Paxlovid does nothing for you. So, so it's not the magic sort of panacea bullet uh, that, that, that folks kind of wanna hope that it is it's really only good for a small subset of folks once again we talk about you know making sure you're vaccinated uh, are we seeing more people still coming in who maybe those people who said they wanted to wait a little bit to kind of just test the waters out see how their neighbors did and how their family and friends did um have we seen an uptick in people wanting to get the shot or even their booster so we really haven't um you know i i, I again i've said this before too yeah you know, i think the folks that that, that have wanted to get it probably have already gotten it, you know? And so uh, we're really sort of seeing folks trickle in at this point to get it. But you, you guys know me, Dave and Kristen, you, you, you guys know me. I, I'm optimistic always. I will always believe that, that if I say it enough, that if I just get one person in, that's one less person 
that's going to have to suffer from COVID or spread that COVID to other people in their circle. So I'm going to keep saying it. I hope y'all keep saying it. Vaccination is still the number one way uh, of, of protecting you and your family. Speaking of vaccines, research has come out this week alone talking about Moderna and Pfizer and their vaccines for the youngest of children over the age of mm-hmm. six months. And the study said that only 18 percent of parents say they're willing to get the vaccine for their smallest children. Most people say, right. just like before, they want to wait and see how others do first. Yeah, and I get that. Right. I mean, listen, I, I, I said this before. I'm a parent. And nothing scares me more than doing something uh, to my children. And, and I totally get that. And all I will also say for that youngest age group that's really not going out and interacting, right, with a whole lot of other kids, like, uh, you know, they're, I, I'm really less worried about them, right, especially if their parents are already vaccinated. So that means their parents will much less likely bring it home to them. Now, once you get into school age, folks, now we're talking four or five years old. Now they're, they're basically trading snot with everyone around them, right? Those people, I think it is very, it is very important to, to get protected. But these youngest ones, you know what? I get it. I'm okay with that. If the parents and the grandparents, you know, who come around, those, those young kids um, are vaccinated, you know what? I'm okay with a little bit of caution there. Um, We've had even the vice president uh, most recently getting COVID. She was vaccinated. She was boosted. um, She did receive some medicine. Again, the message to getting out to people who are still hesitant about getting the vaccine saying, well, look, you can still get COVID, but it's far less chance to die, right? Right. And, and, and guys, those, those are some of the arguments, you know, that, that, that kind of dumbfound me a little bit, you know, um, there are reasons that there are laws for airbags and seatbelts, right? I mean, we've known for a very long time that airbags and seatbelts save lives. No one questions the need to put on a seatbelt when they drive on the highway, right? Now, we've also seen that seatbelts have failed. Right. Airbags have failed. Folks still get really hurt, you know, uh, even having those things happen. But the chances of you getting severely injured in a car accident really go down with airbags and seatbelts. This is the same thing, guys. The the argument that somehow, oh, well, it's not perfect, so I'm just not going to do it. That, that, That kind of argument just doesn't hold a lot of water. And the folks who are saying that in their minds or out loud, I would really ask them to, again, look in the mirror, be honest with themselves. Um, If this is an emotional issue or if this is a logical issue that they're thinking about. We've talked about the fact that fewer people are going into your hospital with cases and serious cases of COVID. That begs the question, how are your doctors and nurses doing now that things have calmed down? Listen, I can't describe to you the relief uh, from 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 my staff. Um, it, it's just it's just so gratifying, you know, uh, for 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 my doctors and for my nurses uh, to realize the job number one that they did over the last couple of years. Um, the attaboys that they get, right? I mean, those things mean a lot to us. And I think people don't really get how much that really means to us when one of our neighbors just comes and just shakes our hand and says, thank you 
for helping us through the last couple of years. So it, it's really been gratifying to, to, to feel all of that love from our, from our community. Um, we are ecstatic that we have been able to change our hospital basically back to normal now. Uh, we don't have any more COVID specialized wards. Um, uh, we're able to simply put COVID patients in negative pressure rooms uh, that we already have existing. So it, it's it's an amazing feeling. Uh, we, we, we are hoping, of course, that it remains this way. Uh, I, I can't tell you uh, how much relief uh, that brings everybody. And, you know, we talk about the doctors and nurses a lot, but but let's not forget, we, we actually at Parkland refer to all 13,000 of our employees as caregivers because every single one of them plays a role. Um, how important is it for that environmental services tech to go in and clean those rooms and clean them right? And if they don't, what would be the consequence of spreading disease? I think it's amazing, the team that we have. I'm obviously very, very proud of them. Um, and, and again, I, I would hope that our listeners would would give a pat on the back uh, to all of those uh, that they know that work in healthcare. Lovely. Thank you so much, Dr. Chang. We appreciate your time. Yeah, always. I love talking to you guys. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Joseph Chang is the chief medical officer at Parkland Hospital and Ask the Expert North Texas. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.